Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Well, good morning. I just want to real quickly piggyback off of the things that Lonnie said. And just so you guys realize, these classes were like invented for you. It wasn't like we are like, what do people want? Uh, it's based on your feedback. So example, you know, we listen to your prayer requests, your comments. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are hurting with broken families or marriages. We've got weekend to remember. There's people wanting to pray for their finances and have financial stuff going on, like me. We've got Financial Peace University. There's people in there writing down, they're like, man, I just, I just want to understand how to read the Bible better. I, I don't get it. We've got reading the Bible for all it's worth. There's people, just give me more Jesus. I just want to get deeper. We've got the life of Jesus. So these are all based on your feedback and this body. And so it, they are excellent classes, programs to be a part of. And uh, I, was, uh, I have, I have uh, a confession to make. So the A God story was from us. And, and right after it, Michelle texted me. Her, her parents are here this weekend. And she goes, I was not thinking of my parents in mind when I wrote the A God story. So, but it really was. It was uh, the best thing that could have been given to us. Like many of you, you're like, serious? Especially if you're a dude. I'm just going to say it on the side. If you're a dude, you're like, shut up. I ain't going to America. I, I know. I'm just laying it down there. And the wife's going to be like, come on. Right, and uh, that gift that they gave us like totally changed our lives. Uh, you know, a lot of it was immaturity then, and uh, <clears throat> totally changed us, and has changed so many lives and couples that we've gotten to take. We've gone almost every year since we were married, and taken twenty, thirty couples a year, and just the life transformation. So it is really cool. But sideways confession, it's really cool because they're back there, and I'm like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> so. Uh, We've been doing this series called uh, Getting a Grip, and um, <clears throat> we're taking a pause. Uh, Ken, unfortunately, had a death in the family uh, later on this week, and so uh, uh, you get me. <laughs> awesome. And so <clears throat> um, he is going to come back next week, and then we're going to jump in and continue uh, in that series. So um, I hope you're excited. Next week. Be back for that. <clears throat> But today, we're going to talk about a story from the life of Jesus. And uh, you're going to need your Bible for it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible sitting somewhere in the chairs next to you. If there's a knot and you want to, uh, you can raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. And, sweet, you got a hand right here. What's a Bible? Awesome. I love it. And back there. Can somebody do that? I said that without making sure somebody could actually do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just keep your hand up. So uh, we're going to be in John 9. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can take it. It's our gift to you. We'll totally replenish it. You can take it home, get into the Word. So if you will turn to John 9, we're going to talk about this story in the life of Jesus today. And um, it's a really cool story. It's about how Jesus heals a blind man. Here's a Bible for you right here. And I think still in the back maybe, yeah? Yep, sweet. <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, one of my favorite stories. Uh, maybe you, many of you guys uh, who grew up in the church maybe have heard this story. Oh, there's a hand here in the middle. Yes, I love it. I've <clears throat> um, heard this story, but uh, I want you guys to focus on a couple different people groups this morning. And um, in your notes, you can write down the first one. Um, the, one of the key players in this group is the hurting. So one is the hurting. 
There's a lot going on in this event we're going to read about today. The second is there are the skeptics. And then the third is then there are the followers. So today we're going to connect with, and I want you guys to look for who these people are in the story today in the life of Jesus of the hurting, the skeptics, and the followers. And it's going to start in John 9. And I'm going to start reading there. So John 9, 1 says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And this is Jesus who we're talking about going along. So I'm going to stop right there. So as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. What you need to know about this guy who was blind from birth is the only job for someone who was blind from birth or any kind of disability was the job of a beggar. So Jesus walked along and saw a blind beggar. In the culture this time, that's just what you did. It's who you were. You did it every day. You probably went to your same spot. You dragged up your mat, plopped the squat, and like put your hand down. That's, that's, that's who you were. That's how you existed. Now picture this. Jesus was also walking around a lot, and wherever he walked around, there was a giant crowd that followed him, or processional, like he drew attention. So when Jesus is walking along and sees this blind man, he's got this really whole procession along with his disciples with him. And he stops. And then it says in verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that, this, that he was born blind? So this is another thing from the Jewish culture back then. When anyone saw anything wrong with another person, whether they had like a limp um, a speech impediment, uh, a, a, they were disformed, someone disfigurement,ed a short arm, whatever it may be, use your imagination, um, they, they suspected or automatically assumed that was because that person had sinned. It was punishment. So the hurt that they're getting or the, the shunning that they're getting is because of sin in their life or even their parents' life as a result of their family's sin then being passed down along to them. So that's why this question's coming up. That's kind of the, I'll say, the dysfunction that's going on then. So Jesus is walking along through the crowd with all of these people with him, and then he stops. And this whole group of people stop, and Jesus is just like looking at him. Now, I, I got to think that when Jesus stops, it catches his eye for a specific reason. Maybe it was because of his need. Maybe it was because of the, pe- the way people were acting around him. Maybe it's because he had a scroll hanging on his back that said, kick me, and he felt bad. It could have been many things that caught his eye. <clears throat> but he stopped, and I have to believe that he looked at him with a look of um, love and um, sincerity. And he says this, Jesus responds this way after he was asked if this was because of his parents' sin or his own. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming, and when no one can work, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus comes along and basically shuts down the conversation. It's neither. None of that happened. He's just a blind man. But he goes on further to say, that he's just a blind man so that the power of God could be shown forth. It's riveting. It's totally crazy out of this world. That's not the way they thought then. It's not the way we think now. Jesus is like the crazy thinker. Can you imagine twisting your mind around that single thought to think that God could use, would use your lives 
our problems, our sorrows, our junk, so that the power of God could be shown forth? So that people would know the power of God, he'd use that? Can you always, can we always look for the good in things, look for the God in things first and only? It's tough stuff. A lot of times I hear, and I know I've even said it before, God, why me? Why is this happening? Especially when crisis situations happen, it comes out the most. Why? Why is this happening? What did I do to deserve this? I ask you this question right now. Why not? What did you do so grand to not deserve it? What did we do to deserve a lot of things? Not deserve a lot of things that we get? That's the question. But then to think about that, that why not? Well, because God is going to show his power through that is why. And a lot of the times, months, days, years, whatever it may be, after you get through that hump of why me, all of a sudden it realizes why not? Well, you realize why. A couple uh, weeks ago, we had Kay up here, uh, who's a grief counselor at the Crisis Care Center, and talked about you know, her husband dying at a very early age and very angry at God and saying, why me? Why does this have to happen? And now talking about in her testimony how she completely understands as to why that happened. Because now she can come alongside of other people and share her story and support and build them out. God's power moving and being shown forth through that situation. So twist your mind to think like that. That totally right there rocked him. But Jesus is going to kind of throw everybody off in just a second. This is kind of like one of my favorite parts. So it says next, having said this, Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. All right, so let me talk about this real quick. So if, like, you know, you're God or you're Jesus and stuff, and you're walking around, I mean, you got the power to heal. I mean, you could do any way you want. I mean, you could just snap, like, slap it out of people. It would be awesome. I mean, you could, do, you could just be like, yep, totally healed, like, done. Yeah, I mean, just in a word, it's done. So I'm just really interested out of all the ways that he could have healed someone, he decides to loogie on their face. <laughs> so it immediately gets my attention. Oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus spits, makes some mud, puts it on his eyes, and then tells him to go wash in the pool. So now I start to imagine it from that sense of, Jesus, why would you do this? <clears throat> now I think about it from the blind man. Think about if you're sitting there all your life, you've gone to the same spot and you're begging, and now this big crowd of people is coming. You're like, man, it's painted. Woo! <laughs> coming along, and all of a sudden it kind of stops. It gets quiet. You're like, whoa, what just happened? Now remember, you're blind. <laughs> and then you're looking around. And then you hear someone talking about their sin, your sin. You're like, you talking about the guy next to me or me? Who are you talking about? And then all of a sudden you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> now as a blind man, I'd be like, whoa, this is not good. What's going on? And then you hear it like hit and you're like, where did that just go? <laughs> what, what? And then the next thing you feel is cold loogie on your eyes. <laughs> And you're like, oh, this is a special moment. Everyone's staring at me. Now the disciples are probably sitting behind me going, oh gosh, Jesus is so crazy. He's just spit on that guy's face. Oh man, he's done some nutty things. That's crazy. And everyone's like, what is he doing? This is embarrassing. I mean, I've kicked him before, but I've never spit on his face. 
So now it goes a step further. He's probably sitting, I can't imagine, I'm telling you. He's probably sitting there like, oh, what do I do now? And uh, so then what does Jesus do? It gets a little worse to me. <laughs> he then says, uh, does that, and then he says, go, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, so I'm the blind guy. Where's the pool? I'm blind. <laughs> Which way do I go? You just like spat on my face and now I got to go wash it off myself. <laughs> so I think, how did that guy really feel? Like, how would you really feel? Probably a little bit foolish. I mean, it, why me? Definitely. Why me right now? What did I do to get this today? Like what happened? It's already bad enough for me. And now this is happening and I've created this giant scene. So probably feeling like a little bit down. I mean, I can only imagine his walk to the pool, you know, and what that entailed. But then, at the same time, maybe the walk to the pool was like a little bit different. Maybe he goes, man, I've, like, something in his voice, or I've heard about this guy. Maybe what, what if, hmm, or when just I felt something when he touched me, gave me like the chills, the shivers. I could feel something that was special. And going down to the pool, maybe his heart began to pick up and skip a beat. What if it's true? What if I possibly could relieve, could receive sight? So he goes to the pool and he begins to wash. Now the end of this part of the story is that he can see. Now imagine that. For the first time, washing your eyes away and maybe, maybe seeing your reflection in the pool for the first time of water. Maybe looking and hearing a bird and seeing a bird and knowing that's a bird. Or looking up and seeing the sky and now you see what blue looks like and the sun. You can't just feel it, you can see it. All of those experiences, how much just a whole new world was open to him and felt by him because Jesus came into his life. Because Jesus touched his life. Then the Bible says, says he told him to go wash in the pool. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. But others said, no. He just looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How were your eyes opened then, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to the pool and wash. So I went and washed, and I can see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. Food for thought. Side conversation real quick. I find it interesting that a lot of times when people are changed, we sometimes forget to thank the changer. We go and celebrate much quicker, which is what you want to do. You go to your friends and family and tell them, look at I can see. Look at what just happened to me. Look, I'm doing so much better. And people are excited for you, just as they were excited for him, but they were also very confused. So then it says this. They brought him, this man, to the Pharisees who had been blind. Now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. Now, <clears throat> some of you in here may not know what a Pharisee is. So let me give you a quick synopsis. It's a, a Pharisee, think of it like a mall cop, like a cop. 
Um, they're like, uh, their former days of like a religious ruler, they were way more focused on uh, like human law rather than God's love. You know, very, very strict. If they sat out here today, they'd, half of you probably wouldn't even be in here, including me. <laughs> uh, they would sit there and be like, you're, no, you're not going in. You're wearing that. You can't wear that in here. And uh, do you know, I know what you did at school this week. And that is not, no, you're not allowed. That sort of deal. So very uh, legalistic, very stringent to the point in which they say, now the day Jesus has made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received sight. And they got mad because he had done this on the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath was a day of rest in Jewish culture. And uh, you didn't do anything. The only thing you were allowed to do that day is eat and like save someone's life. But healing someone against the rules, not allowed to do that. So they get upset and they're like, this is not good. So they asked the man. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and he washed it. And now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, nor does he keep the Sabbath. They're talking about Jesus. They're saying, this Jesus guy is not from God, nor does he keep the Sabbath, because he's a rule breaker. But others asked, other than them asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. See, the Pharisees are the skeptics. See, the blind man who's the hurting. He's the one who's hurting, looking for some healing. Now we have the skeptics. And right now the skeptics are looking for some answers. But they're the skeptics. And they get divided, asking lots of questions. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. I mean, it got that desperate. No, we still don't believe you. Prove it. Where's your mom and dad? So they sent for mom and dad. Have you ever had that happen before? (laughs) They asked his parents, Is this the one... You say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? And the parents said, We know this is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. So his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for they had all, for because they had already, the Jews had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And this is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they were, they were that extreme and legalistic to being like, we don't believe you, we're such skeptics. I mean, they were always looking for the bad in things rather than the good in things. Have you ever had a popo, a police officer pull you over and tell you that you're doing a good job? No. That's usually not what they're about. That's kind of like these guys. They haven't even noticed the guy was blind and now he can see. I mean, in the history of the world, no one has ever been born blind and then healed and can see. Now, even since then, there's been times where people's born with cataracts and they can have some surgeries, but they can see slightly. But no one has ever been born blind and then received sight like this. And they're like not even interested. They're like... Asking all these other crazy questions, trying to figure out why this is wrong and why this couldn't have happened because Jesus isn't who he said he is. 
And God wouldn't do something like this. Major skeptics looking for the bad in things, and they're completely overlooking all the good that is happening. That's how legalistic these guys are. So they questioned them again. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, basically. Don't lie to us. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, this is the blind man, whether Jesus, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind and now I see. That was his story to them. That was the answer to them. It was Jesus. I was this way and now I'm this way. And I'm super thankful for it. He was focused on what Jesus was focused on about. More about what God's about and his love and his relationship and what happened to him than the rules. And they didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to get to it. So there's the last person. And it's the followers. The followers. Last of all, with with the skeptics, the thing you need to understand is if you have questions, be open for answers. He gave answer after answer after answer, and they weren't open for it. They were kind of already set in their way. So the followers, understand that you don't have to have like this amazing, crazy story. He didn't have that story. I take uh, kids to Mexico uh, every summer. Um... Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, I was down in Mexico and I uh, was talking to this girl and she was like fired up down there talking to all these people and sharing her God story with everybody. And, and I was like, man, this is awesome. And she's like, man, this is so great. I, I can't ever do this back home. And I'm like, why not? Well, like, I'm afraid. Well, why are you afraid? I mean, you're not afraid here. Well, because I feel like I, maybe I won't have the right answer or something. I'm not going to, I mean, my friend asked me, hey, so what's up with this whole Jesus church thing, huh? I'm not going to be able to, like, give him all the answers. So, like, uh, so prove, how can you prove that Jesus uh, really raised from the dead? Or what's this whole, you know, Trinity thing or tithing thing? Why does the church always just want your money? Right? Well, I feel like I'm not going to be able to give him the right answer. I feel like my story's not, you know, all together there. But I come down here. And all I got to say is Jesus and changed life. And they're like, <gasps> which is what followers do, which is what they were doing there in the Bible. They saw a changed life and that's all it was. Jesus, I was blind and now I see. How amazing is that? So explain to the girl she can do the same thing. Because what did this guy say? I was blind but now I see. For some of us, we're afraid to talk about God, those are your followers. We're afraid that, well, we don't have a story then. Forget the questions. Uh, I don't have the, the cool story, you know. But the story is your story. Every one of you has a story. There was a start. There was a start where, you know, you found Jesus one day, and then some really great things happened. That's your story. Things happened before, things happened after. That is your whole story. I'm not even going to make it up for you. What happens is, 
When you have Jesus in your life and in your heart, there's life change. It's kind of like when you see a fire. You see a big plume of fire, and you go, oh, man, fire, what's going on? And you, everyone's asking, what's going on? Where was there fire over there? What happened? And, or you start driving more close to it, and maybe I'm just the only one that does that, but I don't think so. <laughs> and people start going, on something. the same thing happens to you, man. Jesus gets in you, and you're, like, burning. And people start noticing, what's going on? You're, like, you're looking, looking a little different there. Acting a little different. And all you got to be is, like, Jesus. I know, it's crazy. Let me tell you like a little teeny bit about it because I'm figuring it out too. Let's figure it out together. Some of you even say this. Well, I just, I just don't have a good testimony. I just, uh, I can't like put it all together. And I say, like what? You know, like the one where I used to do drugs when I was an infant. And when, when I was five, I was the biggest drug smuggler in kindergarten. And when I was seven, I stabbed my mom. And then when I was 10, I took the car and ran my grandmother over and then like, did an all-nighter. But then when I was 12, someone took me to church and it was awesome. I found Jesus. And everyone's like, oh, that's so wonderful. That's a cool story. If that's your story, awesome. That is great because you found Jesus. If that's not your story, who cares? Because guess what? If that's not your story, if maybe your story is a little bit like mine, maybe you grew up in church a little bit and, you know, you got to go to church and you had a family around you that loved you and, you know, you got the opportunity to hear the story of Jesus over time. And your life wasn't perfect. My life wasn't perfect. You know, I got to make a few mistakes, but man, I got to find and know Jesus at an early age. That's my story. And that story is a minority that's like a minority story. Like, and it's a special, that's a great story. Most people who have the other story would much rather have your story. Man, wait, what? You got to, you got to be, you got to, that's your story? Oh. You have a story. Everyone has a story. Whether it's a tame one or a wild one, you have a story. So here's the summary. It's in your notes right there. Jesus brings healing to the hurting. Jesus brings healing to the hurting. You can see that, obviously. The blind man. Next, Jesus has answers for the skeptics. He has answers for the skeptics. It might have been through the blind guy, but he's answering the skeptics. Gave a story. And lastly... Jesus proves his power to the followers, to his followers. He proves his power to his followers. They see great and miraculous signs. They see that because they know who it is. So let me ask you this. Would you identify with one of these three this morning? You don't got to like raise your hand when I call them out. You know, you, you, uh, you don't got to come up and tell me later or come up front and do anything like that. Um, circle one of them. Maybe put it down on paper or, or, or be honest with yourself and your heart and just be like, Larry, I told you to not tell me. Just say, God, I'm hurting. I may not be blind, but I'm hurting and I need some healing today. I mean, as soon as you can give it. Or maybe you're sitting there saying, I'm a skeptic. I came with a friend. You know, I'm interested, but I don't get it. I don't get the whole God thing. I don't get the whole Jesus thing. I don't get the whole church thing. I've got questions, so maybe you're the skeptic. 
Or third, maybe you're here today and you're the follower. Maybe you got out of bed today because, man, you want to go to church. You go to your community group. You like coming to church because you want to serve. And, and you come here to get your spiritual tanks recharged and be part of the body. Where are you? Hurting? What does it mean to hurt? There's some of you in this room today that have been through more pain than I can even imagine. Some of you in here, I understand, and you cover it well. Some of you in here cover it really well. You hide it well. You live in a nice house. You drive a nice car. But some of you here today, some of you have major hurt in your lives. You know, we put on the happy face because we're around people. It might be relational hurt. It might be family strife. It might be an addiction or addictions. Some of us have made bad decisions. Some of us are just hurting for a lost one right now. Whatever it is, you've probably been trying to doll it out your way. And what I want you to hear this morning is just like Jesus stopped the processional Just like he stopped the crowd and he looked at that blind guy. I want you to feel that same sense that you might be hiding your hurt from other people. But God sees it. He sees it. He's looking at you and saying, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to be hurting anymore. I've got a way that you can find some healing in your life. The action is to respond to Jesus in faith. If you're the hurting, this is your action step. Respond to Jesus in faith. What does that mean, respond to Jesus in faith? What did the blind guy do? He responded in faith. He didn't, do, he didn't say some special prayer. You know, he didn't uh, uh, do uh, a special class. He responded to Jesus in faith. Jesus said, go walk and wash your face off. He could have like wiped it off with his t-shirt. He could have gone in the corner and cried for a while. But he did what Jesus asked him to do. He responded in faith. Not because he knew anything was going to happen from it. There was no guarantee. So if you're the hurting, respond to Jesus in faith. And he'll heal you. He'll heal you. If, the, if you're hurting, there's, here's the difference between Jesus and every other religious leader that you've heard about. It's the one that we celebrate every year, and it's called Easter. It's when he proves that he was who he said he was, and he died, and he rose from the dead. In my opinion, it's completely worth your investigation. If you don't believe it, your entire life, not only the power for living today, but your eternity is resting on that. So, respond to Jesus in faith. Number two, the second person is the skeptic. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're like, man, this is like my parents' deal. Or maybe you're like, man, this is like my wife's deal or my husband's deal. I'm just, uh, I'm totally just going to come and put on a good show because I know maybe I'll get like a cell phone or they'll extend my curfew or they'll just think everything's all hunky-dory and like we won't fight all the time. So maybe you're just coming because you want people to think you've got it all together. But... You're really the skeptic. You don't get it. There's like stuff that's hard for you to buy. You wonder, what's this deal for reals? This is what I want to say to you this morning. I think that being a skeptic is a fine place to be. It's a great place to be. But there's two types of skeptics. There's the one type of skeptic 
skeptic that is like the Pharisees. They say, I know what's right. This is wrong. I'm a skeptic, but I am right. Period. They'll listen to a bunch of stuff. It's their way or the highway. Uh, That's just an arrogant person and an ignorant person. Another skeptic will say, I'm going to keep coming because I have questions. Is, Is Jesus really God? Did he really raise from the dead? All those witnesses that saw that, did they like uh, really see that? How do we know? Uh, Was his body stolen? Will following Jesus make any difference in my life? I mean, for reals? So how do you respond today? You ask questions about Jesus. Ask questions. Don't just take my word for it, our word for it, mom's word for it, wife's word for it, whoever's word for it. Ask questions about Jesus. If you're the skeptic, let me challenge you to ask questions. There is no question that you could come up with that hasn't been thought of or come up with in the last 2,000 years since Jesus was here. And if I don't know the answer or somebody else up here doesn't know the answer, we'll find it in the B-I-B-L-E. No doubt. So ask him. Here's the answer. The truth will not hide itself. So ask. And finally, the follower. If you're the follower, just write this down. Watch for changed lives. Watch for changed lives. The truth, will, the truth will show itself as well. If you're the follower, you're the disciple of Jesus, you will see life change. These people saw the blind man healed. Celebrate that. If you see those miracles happening, watch for that. See that. Celebrate. If you have a friend that you've been trying to get to come to church with you, and they come... Like, take them to lunch, throw a party, celebrate. If someone else was like, man, I'm having like a super tough time right now with this, you know, maybe finances and stuff, and they were just able to make a bill, man, praise God. You know? Watch for changed lives and watch for like those aha, fantastic, yay God moments in everything you do. If someone comes to you and they want to sign up for a community group, celebrate that. I want to celebrate If somebody gets baptized, celebrate that. Watch for changed lives. See those things happen. And then tell your story. Celebrate it. For those of you who follow us with Jesus, share your changed life. Share it. Look for opportunities to share your changed life. You have a changed life. It's your story. I put it there in your notes in the bottom. It says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. So tell people how you're blind and now you can see. Share it. Let's close by looking at this last little paragraph in your notes on the very bottom. There's numbers, one, two, three, and four there. And I want you to circle number one. This is a great example of what life change looks like. Number one, circle it. Why? Because it's important. He did what? He acknowledged his blind condition and need. He acknowledged his blind condition and need. Some of you need to acknowledge your condition and need. Number two, he didn't argue with Jesus' plan to change his life. He didn't argue with Jesus' plan to change his life. And number three, he submitted himself to Jesus through obedience. He submitted to him. Submitting to something isn't doing them a favor. Submitting to something is giving themselves. He gave himself to Jesus through obedience. And number four, finally, he, man, he got, the, he got the jackpot. He got to experience the miracle of life change. 
He experienced the miracle of life change. What started this whole life change? He acknowledged his condition. Today, if you're hurting, just acknowledge your condition. If you're the skeptic, acknowledge your condition. If you're a follower, man, look for awesome, cool things that are going to happen and that are happening. And tell your story because you have one. Acknowledge your need. And say, I'm the skeptic. I'm confused. God help me. I'm the follower who wants to be different. God help me. So first of all, define who you are, hurting, skeptic, follower, and then acknowledge your need and what, watch what God will do in your life. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.